This is Dooley Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, and welcome into a new Dooley Noted podcast. It is Wednesday when I'm recording this, and of course, uh, tomorrow is the draft. We'll talk a little bit about that and what it means for a lot of Florida athletes. Uh, but um, obviously, we're still in the hold mold. <laughs> um, you know, that's the way. It, in fact, I've gotten a lot of inquiries the last week or so about my golf tournament. I said, look, as soon as we know, you know, we'll let everybody know. But we're waiting. We're waiting to see when Ironwood's going to open and then um, waiting to see if after Ironwood opens and we can set a date, then, you know, we may go to 15 people who were going to be heavily involved in the term and they may say, I can't afford it now with what's going on and we may have to postpone it another year. So we'll wait and see about that. Uh, but um, I, it's the least of our problems, I think, for anybody in America and what we're dealing with. And the thing we're still dealing with is a question that can't be answered, which is when are we going to have football? Um, pretty interesting thing that uh, my friend Brett McMurphy did for the stadium, which is a website. Uh, he does great work for them. Uh, they He asked 130, uh, and I'm guessing not very many of them in person. It was probably all emails. But 130 athletic directors, of course, there's 130 schools that played Division One football or FBS or whatever you want to call it, uh, what their expectations were about this football season. And 99% said we're going to have a season. And I, I am totally in agreement with that, and I don't have any doubt there will be a college football season before the end of June or July when the fiscal year runs out. Um, now, the if we do end up getting it way, pushed way back, that's going to be a problem you're going to have players that aren't going to play but you're also going to run into the next football season so you may have to push the 2021 season back as well so let's say you well you have two 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 seasons in 2021 um where if you ended this the this season we're talking about let's say you started in february and you ended in uh like, I don't think they'll play all the games if they do that. So I would guess it would be conference games only. So you would end maybe in early April, have a playoff system probably done in early May, and then you're going to come back and have guys go to camp in August. I, that's going to be – I think you're going to have to push that season back as well a couple of weeks. And that's the thing. I mean, we don't know what it's going to be like because I, I, we're, we're finding governors that are – uh, gung-ho about reopening the economy and it's amazing to me that in the state of Georgia they're allowing people to cut hair and give massages and go to gyms um, you know it, it scares the heck out of me to see that and I, I think we're all worried that we're going to have another spike um, I, I, I saw where the, I think one of the heads of the CDC said Look, we're going to have another spike in the in the winter because of the regular flu. So you add the regular flu into the this coronavirus, and we're going to be flu city. So, look, we're a long way from knowing where we're going to be and where we're headed. We do know this that um, I I'm what I've been told is that the coaching staffs, for example, at Florida, they're finally going to assemble. In, on June 1st and, and get back to work as a staff. Now, the way it's set up now, they can only have five people in the office at one time. And so they're in there and they're doing a lot of recruiting. And one thing they're doing, which is interesting, is they're playing a lot of video games with recruits. So they set up these tournaments and play against each other. And so it could be eight, eight recruits, two members of your coaching staff, one member of your supplemental staff and so those are the three guys you need in there that day and maybe the head coach and, and maybe or there's other days when the head coach, believe me the head coach isn't playing um the the story i get is that dan mullen they they, they don't want him to play video games he, he's not very good at them nor am i but um i used to be there was a day when i was but anyway uh the point being that at some point the staff is going to get together 
when they feel everybody will be tested, everybody will be ready to go, and they can work on stuff. But really, the, the kind of the interesting part is how much can you really do? I mean, you're going to have these uh, Zoom meetings with your players still. You're going to be able to talk to recruits. But, you know, I don't know how much work you can really get in. Because until you're physically showing a guy how to use his hands on a pass rush, whatever you zoom into him, you know, who's zooming who? Um, you know, I, I just don't think you're gonna it's gonna help you that much. And and my prediction has been all along, when we come back from this and we start playing football, it is gonna be sloppy. The the teams are not going to be at a high level. We uh, one issue is going to be injuries that I'm, I think a lot of people fear is especially if you don't give them a, enough time to uh, get like they're all staying in shape. You see videos all the time of players doing all this work, you know, lifting weights, running stuff, doing stadium steps. They're doing it at their hometowns or wherever they're living. Some of them are, are getting together to do it. Um, but really, um, is that the same as working with a strength coach? And I've been saying this all along. It's, it's, it's a totally different animal. So you may see, I, I, I heard, I think it was Chris Doring was on Sirius and he said, um, Achilles injuries were something that he worried about uh, and he's had an Achilles, but that, um, you could see guys hurting their Achilles in the early part of practice. Practice if we have a situation here where uh, they're not in the kind of shape that they need to be. Because let's face it, um, they need to be in a certain kind of shape to perform at that high level. And I just think, like, Kyle Trask isn't throwing to his receivers right now. Okay, we know that. They're, not, they're in different parts of the, of the country. Uh, I just think that it's going to take a little bit more to get back and but that's fine. I don't think I don't I don't believe anybody really cares if no we care if the players get injured. We don't want to see that happen, and we hope all the precautions are taken. But we really don't care if the football's great. We really don't care if when you play, finally get to play, you're just out there, and and some team's going to outscore some team. You know, one team is going to score more more points than the other. That's all that matters. Um, you know, it's interesting too. Uh, I, I was talking yesterday to Mary Wise, and and uh, nobody's talking about. I, and I may do a, something on that next week. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to still come up with story ideas um, as with no games played, and and the draft will help help a little bit with us there. But you know, nobody's talking about how soccer and volleyball, who are, which are two big sports around here, um, are going to you know also. We don't know when they're going to play. And they're feeling the same way, and they're kind of feeling like, you know, uh, Mary was saying she's on uh, Zoom meetings with her players all the time, just talking to them, making sure they're all right. She did say one thing that she really appreciated about being a coach at the University of Florida is the way Scott Strickland jumped on this and said, hey, our, our, we have so many athletes from so so many different places, right? Because, I mean, look, you're not going to – it's not going to be real local in volleyball and soccer and any, any other sport. Let's make sure we get them home. Make sure we get them off campus and get them home before traveling is going to be a real issue. And that and he and she was really proud of the way Scott Strickland reacted on that and did a great job. And they got everybody home so they were able to, you know, hunker down with their families. And then now none of them are happy right now. Never everybody wants to be with teammates. I mean, that to me is I think. You know, I talk a lot about the uh, social aspect of what we're dealing with here now. I mean, there's an obvious social aspect in terms of our families. We're we're spending more time with our families. My my dog is wondering why the hell I don't go leave the house more often, uh, and I'm wondering why he won't quit barking sometimes. In fact, hopefully, hopefully tonight he'll come in and say hello and bark at us. But um, during this show, but the social aspect of teammates because teammates are so important. This, you know, we always talk all the time about how important it is, how sports are so important because they build your character. They build, not only they build you as a physical being, but 
that camaraderie and the teammates and and striving for a one goal uh, with other people and relying on other people and and being there for other people and all that's out the window right now, you know. And that's something I think those athletes, especially in the sports, uh, you know, that aren't the big pro, high profile sports, really miss. And I know talking to Trinity Thomas a few weeks ago when we did a Zoom with her, uh, that's what she was missing. She just wanted to be around her teammates. And, and okay, competing with them, exercising with them, all that. Yeah, just hanging around with them. And I think we're all missing a lot of that. And, and what we don't know is when, what will we be like when we do come back? Because we're not going to ever, I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to be the same as we are as we were before this, okay? And you sit there and you watch. I was watching the Ryder Cup last night, you know, just watching the intensity of that and hugging and everybody going nuts and such close comfort. I don't know if we're ever going to be at that point. I hope so. I hope we can get back to normal, but I don't think it's going to be soon. Look, we may get back to college football and whatever, and obviously golf is going to start hopefully very soon and what we don't still know what baseball for sure is going to do and basketball for sure is going to do, but we'll get back to playing sports. But I think it's going to be a long time before we get back to just having normal lives where we, you never see anybody with a uh, mask on, for example. In, in the old days, if you saw somebody with a mask on, it, like in an airport, you go, ah, they're worried about germs. Ah, man, you don't see people that paranoid that often. Now I can imagine that in six months from now, you could walk through the uh, Charlotte airport and a third of the people would still be wearing masks. So, I mean, again, I just think things are going to be continue to be uh, for a long, long, long time. And we all know that we've talked a lot about the financial impact, not just on the economy of this country, but the economy of uh, college sports. You know, Boise State this week, furloughs, cutbacks for their coaches. Louisville, some furloughs and cutbacks. You know, Florida has been able to avoid it so far. And we talked about this with Scott Strickland, how because of the money they would normally spend sending teams away, this is, um, you know, they're they're pretty much breaking even. But at some point, um, you know, they're going to have to, See, you know, examine it, especially when we get through this fiscal year. So it'll be interesting to see because that fiscal year will come up in, I think it's it's either June or July. I can't remember which month. I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, and that'll be the end of it. And Florida will probably go, okay, we did okay because we didn't spend as much. We didn't get the revenue that we hoped to get, but we're, we still, we're fine. You know, no problems. Now, next fiscal year, we're hoping to have football in some form, but we don't think we're going to generate that much money from it. We're hoping we still have an NCAA tournament, but all the economy situations are such that we don't know if we're going to be able to generate as many contributions from boosters, from sponsors, from, you know, and you, I, it's almost like you're going to have to rethink it. And, you know, I, and this going back to what I was talking about with Mary Wise. You know, they have a trip, they had a trip planned to go to Stanford this fall, which probably now will not happen. In fact, I would think even if we start the season at a reasonably, uh, you know, in the fall, not, I'm not saying it hasn't necessarily start the, in August or early September, but in the fall, you're not going to go to Stanford. You're not going to put a team on a plane and take them all the way out there. Uh, it's just too much time in an airport, airplanes and everything like that. And that's what I wonder also how long it will be before people start really traveling again uh, to play sporting events. You know, is, is you know, are you going to play, are you going to bus now to uh, freaking Oxford? <laughs> One would hope not. It's a pretty good haul. But if you're Florida football and or if you're, um, for example, um, Lexington, if you, if you live in Lexington, you're a Kentucky football player and a Kentucky staff and you load up three buses and bus down. What is that? Like 10 hours, I think. Um, because you're, you can manage that situation better than you can a charter plane. Um, that, that, that'll be interesting to see where we go from there. So there's a lot of this stuff that still unknowns 
And uh, but there are knowns, and one known was that on Monday was Steve Spurrier's seventy fifth birthday. He called me up. He he did like the uh, column I wrote. I th- I hope you guys did too. It got a ton of hits, and um, it, it's always gratifying when you when you work hard on something to see that a lot of people read it and I got a lot of compliments on it and I appreciate everybody my wife did help me a lot with it because well, we just sat there one night at dinner just writing them down things that we you know that makes Steve Spur so lovable uh for Gator fans um but he did tell me he he said he said you know I didn't I didn't know so many people had my phone number he said I got texts and calls all day so he goes, I don't know why. 74th birthday was a big one, too. And I go, yeah, Steve, but it's different. 75th, you know. When you turn 80, I'll probably do another big story on you. But I'm not doing one next year. I'm not doing 76 things you love about Steve Spurrier. But uh, he, he had a couple of jokes for me. And one of them, one of them I can tell, he goes, this is, he told me a, a joke. He goes, that, don't, get, don't attribute that one to me, though. Attribute that one to somebody else. So maybe maybe one day I'll tell it to you. Uh, it's actually a joke that I have heard uh, in the last week. It involves the Seminoles. Anyway, um, so congratulations to Steve, 75. I know he wanted to have, they want, they, his family really wanted to have a big celebration. But how about this for a celebration? Because Billy Donovan is in the same boat. And I didn't realize Christine Donovan's birthday is the same day as Steve's. So the four of them got together, and I'm sure they sat out on the, beautiful back porch at Steve Spurrier's house and had a great dinner and celebrated um, both their birthdays. Uh, to be a fly in the wall there, bro, would not be bad. I would love to do that. I would love to have been the fifth wheel there and just sat in the corner with my mask on and I guess I could pick up the mask to drink some beers, but um, that would have been pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so I guess... Uh, you know, we. I want to talk about the draft, but I, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start. I'm going to do a little bit on Gronk and and uh, what's going on there, and uh, and then we'll take a break. And we're going to bring on Frank Frangie. And Frank is the voice of the Jaguars. They're the soap opera. The Bucks have now become the biggest story in all of the NFL, but the soap opera still exists in. Jacksonville like nowhere else and we're going to talk to him about that uh, as well as uh, what he thinks they'll do with their pick uh, or any of their picks well, how they're going to try to rebuild that team but first I did want to talk about the Gronkowski thing you know it kind of came out of nowhere there had been a lot of rumors about him coming back and I kept going why why would you leave that situation and you know and then all of a sudden decide to come back and and kind of like Jason Witten did. Jason Witten did that, and you were, I was like stunned. When a guy retires like that, usually you think, man, he's done. He's physically done. He does not want to deal with it anymore. He doesn't want to train. But with Gronk, you know, he's got so much else going on. I thought he was completely done. But uh, So here's Gronkowski with reunited with Brady. And I don't think he'll be a great player for them, but he'll, in fact, I don't think he's the best tight end on the team. I think uh, Cameron Brate's a better player. I think O.J. Howard will get shipped out. He's, you know, somebody mentioned the other day, they said O.J. Howard has not been, you know, he hasn't really lived up to the expectations. I go, that's what he did in college. The guy was so talented in college, and then all of a sudden he'd have a game where he'd catch a bunch of passes. I think it was one of the national championship games he had a big game. But the rest of the year, he did nothing. Then the next year, he did nothing. He just has a knack for not, whether he's not put in good position or maybe there's a work ethic problem. I don't know. I'm not around him, but I I think he'll be gone. But, you know, everybody is freaking out in Tampa, and you can't blame them. You know, here you've got Tom Brady and Rob. If somebody had told you a year ago, a year ago, Let's just say, no, let's go back two years ago. Hey, you know what? In a couple of years, think about this. Brady and Gronkowski are going to be in Tampa. You'd have gone, what? You're out of your mind. And there they are. And it's going to be really interesting. Look, they don't even have to be great. The Bucks can go 8-8. Eight and eight. It's still going to be the most interesting story in the NFL. Nothing's going to come close. You know, the inter- most interesting story of the draft is Tua, but the most interesting story in the NFL right now and for the next 
I don't know, until we finally finish a football season, which where we have the um, the uh, Super Bowl is in Tampa, which would be amazing. And look, I look, they're a really good team. I think they've got good defense. I, they need a running back. Uh, I, I I think that's the one area where they're missing, but they've got great receivers. And again, they don't. Brady may not be able to throw the deep ball the way he did, but he's so great at finding the open receivers. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how well they do and whether the the expectations – look, expectations are not going to overwhelm their quarterback or their tight end, okay? They're, that's not going to be a problem. The problem is going to be does it overwhelm the other people on that team where they're like freaking out all the time. And maybe they, you know, get a little full of themselves, like the Jaguars did. But look, the bottom line with Gronkowski is he got tired of playing football because of the injuries, all the injuries he went through, and he got tired mentally of dealing with the Patriot way. And the Patriot way, it can drain you very easily. You know, you always feel like you could be cut the next day. It's it's a certain level you've got to maintain. It it's successful. It's just like, you know, um, somebody told me this story. I'm not going to give you the name of the person that told me the story, and they were talking about why Kirby is doing such a great job of recruiting, and um, part of it is that he can go up against Nick Saban and go. Hey, we're going to play. We're going to compete for championships. We've got an easier division, by the way. Maybe not as easy as it used to be, but it's an easier division here in the East. We're going to compete for championships. We're going to have a chance to play for national titles. And you're going to have a lot more fun doing it. You go to Alabama, it's a grind there, man. It is, it is hard. Why do you think no coaches ever stay there? They all get the heck out of there as soon as they can. And meanwhile, we're gonna have we're gonna have more fun. Okay, we're gonna have more fun doing things, and that's again. I was told this by a a head football coach. Okay, and he he believed that is a lot of why they're successful. So you know you can grind it out, and it, and it's and it's successful. And certainly the Patriots have been the most successful team ever. But it wears on your players sometimes, and they have to get out of there. All right. We will do this. We'll take a break. We'll talk about with Frank Frangie about what's going on with the Jaguars and uh, the mess that they've become. And then uh, we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about a little, some prop bets, huh? Those are pretty cool on uh, on the draft. We'll get to three things as well and some more college football rule changes that have come up. All this and more when we return. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Welcome back to the Dilly Dota Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by a good friend of mine for a long time. And, uh, of course, uh, the voice of Jacksonville Radio, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Frank Frangi, or as, or as uh, Norm Carlson once called him, Frank Frangella. Was that the name he gave you? Fra- Frank Frakia. It was Frakia. Frakia. Okay. <laughs> F-R-A-C-C-H-I-A. I, I even started signing it that way. I was so convinced he was right. That Frank Frakia, he called <laughs> <laughs> That's classic, man. Uh, hey, Frank. Uh, obviously, I wanted to get you on to talk a little bit about the soap opera that's going on in Jacksonville, and you're right in the middle of it. Uh, I, you know, the Leonard Fournette thing being the latest, and obviously what's happened with the the big defensive end as well, whose name I won't even try to pronounce. That's your job. You get to do that. Yeah, it's a it, you know it's a, it's, it's been an odd year, Pat, for this team. Yannick Ngakwe is the player you're talking about. Um, he wants out. He wants to be traded. He didn't get the extension he wanted. Uh, he's been on social media a, a lot, ripping the team and <laughs> talking about he wants to be out. And he finally went after the coaches or the owner's son, Tony Khan. Tony responded. Yeah, it was an uncomfortable thing. The odd thing is Tony Khan's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yannick is a good guy. He's not Jalen Ramsey. He needed out. Uh, Dante Fowler, the former Gator, needed out. There were guys that it wasn't ever going to work with those guys. They they were more about themselves than they were the team. 
Um, they weren't good team guys, in my opinion. Yannick's not like that. He's a pretty good guy. He's been a guy that but – it, but it's just been a year of turmoil, one full year of turmoil. And I think what the team wants is a, is a year without without drama, Pat. That's the whole idea. That's why the Fournette thing is right. Leonard, Leonard has some drama. I think anybody with drama, I think they want to rebuild this roster, rebuild a young core with guys who want to be here, with guys who think the same way in the locker room. And I think all this, these are all chapters of that book. They really are. And, and I think these, they're probably the last chapters of the book. And, and hopefully this will be a team with a young core and a, and a decent core and a better core moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough sell for season tickets, as you know. I mean, you've got Uncle Rico is is really the big draw there, and um, and, and Gardner Minshew, but um, they're going to have to make a splash in the draft. I don't know that they're going to draft based on trying to sell season tickets, uh, but they've got to try to build this thing. I mean, where do you think they go with that first pick? Well, remember now they got twelve picks, so so it'll be the team will look different. Saturday night than it looks right now. Whether you like the team, don't right. like the team, or somewhere right. in between, it's going to be a different-looking team on Saturday night. I think defensive lines are a big thing. Derek Brown, you guys saw him, Pat, last year when he was running back fumbles every time he looked up in Gainesville. I think he's a really good yeah. player. He is their, he's their dream guy. I don't know that he's there. They pick ninth. The Panthers love him at seven. He could even go earlier than that. Um, but he's their dream guy. After that, I think C.J. Henderson, the former Gator Corners, in play. I think he's been racing up the uh, mocks. I think Jerry Judy, the Alabama wide receiver, is in play. I think uh, Javon Kinlaw, the South Carolina defensive lineman, is in play. And, by the way, they've decided they're only going to draft SEC guys this year. I don't think you knew that or not. Everybody just went off with an SEC guy. <laughs> okay. okay. And, and even Andrew Thomas, the left tackle from Georgia, is in play. The, the only guy I think they could draft that didn't play in the SEC is Mackay Beckton, the, uh, the offensive tackle out of Louisville. But for the most part, I think it's a, it's a bunch of guys you know who they are. And um, – it's going to be it's an interesting ordeal for sure. Well, and Frank, you know they had a track record there for a while of not drafting SEC guys. Uh, they went about a four-year stretch with no SEC draft picks at all, and then they've they've gotten heavy on on SEC guys. And by the way, the SEC is where football is the best. We all kind of know that. Uh, the SEC is going to have an unbelievable draft. They may end up with half of. The uh, first rounders could be SEC guys, but I mean, but you've been around this and you've dealt with it. It is such a weird deal and a weird dynamic we're dealing with right now, Frank. And that they don't have, they're not getting any more information, and yet guys go up and down mock drafts. It's kind of amazing. I thought it might not happen this year because we're not getting any new information. There's no more pro, there's no pro days, there's no workouts, but still guys move up and down. Yeah, I think it's even Pat. I think it's even more. I think there's more question than there's ever been because scouts aren't on campuses. Scouts aren't. What happens was all these scouts would get to a campus, right? And, and, and seven or eight of them from different teams. And by the time they're done having beers that night at the local pub, they all think the same thing about a guy. Well, they're not there anymore. That's not happening anymore. So now people, there's more, way more independent thinking now. There's not, now one guy, back in the past, if, if, if somebody still decided a guy was a second round or somebody else said third or fourth, they landed somewhere, and there was a consensus. Well, there's no consensus now. So there's going to be some guys now that some teams have them as a fourth, other teams have them as a late one. That's how different it's going to be. I love it. It's way better. There's more intrigue than there's ever been in the draft. The quarterback thing's got everybody intrigued. Is Tua healthy? Is he not? Is he better than Herbert? Is he not? I think it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I would also think that somewhere in those 12 picks, they need to take a quarterback, and I think they'll be – uh, enough of them out there that they'll they'll have an opportunity, you know, and it could even be uh, somebody like Jake Fromm because they need a little bit of insurance behind Gardner Minshew, don't they? Yeah, it's going to be. They got Josh Dobbs, a former Tennessee player who hadn't played very much, but they like him. I can tell you that he, he's well liked guy here. I would be surprised. They may, Pat, they may take a guy the sixth or seventh round. I'd be surprised if it's a guy like Fromm because I think Fromm's going to go in the in, in the second round. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, my guess is they're going to. They wouldn't have gotten. They wouldn't have run off Foles unless they really wanted to see what they had in Minshew, and I think they really want to find out what they've got in this guy. I think that's kind of where they are. They want to know what they've got in this guy Minshew. So I think it's his season now. Andy Dalton gets cut in Cincinnati, which he's going to. He can't find another job. Can they bring him in for three, four million? They may do that, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. At least my gut to compete with Gardner Minshew. They had a guy to do that. And they, and they traded him in full. So I don't see – and he was also the ultimate insurance policy. Look, 
if they'd kept Foles and Minshew wins the job, they'd have the best backup in the league, right? Now, also the most expensive backup in the league. So I'd be surprised if they draft a quarterback and ask him to compete. That would surprise me. Last thing for you, Frank. Uh, it, it, I know you have people's ears up there, so if you if, if you can just put in a good word for a couple guys, Van Jefferson and John Grenard, I am vouching okay. for them. Okay, dude, I love them both, man. I think both those guys. I think Van Jefferson is a star in the NFL, a star, not a good player, a star. I think he's going to Pro Bowls. I think he's. I, I think he's going to be a hundred catch guy. I think he's so polished. I really do. Grenard's got the great motor. He's going to be a good player. I don't know that he's got the ability to be a megastar in this league. He'll be a good player, though, because he'll play hard all the time. I like both. You could tell me the Jags had both guys. I'd take it right now, Pat. But I really like Van Jefferson. I, I, and by the way, he's a guy that's going to race up boards now. He, he, I, saw, I saw him as a fourth rounder before he got to Mobile. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the middle of the second round. I think he goes that high. He's a really good player. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. I mean, as you know, I would imagine for you, Frank, and for a lot of people up there, and for people like even like me who are uh, watch the NFL but are college guys, this is going to be the most interesting draft because it's the first news we've had in a long time. It's the right, first right. live action sporting event. <laughs> Dude, you don't know who's going to win. You don't know who. You don't know the answer. <laughs> and I'm with you. And there's all kind of intrigue. I can't wait for. It. We're going to, we're going to, battle, we're going to do a six hour show tomorrow night. It's going to be like from six to not six to midnight. Me, Baselli, and Lagerman tomorrow night. So I can tell you, uh, we're going to get our. We're, you know, we've been waiting for this one, so we're all excited about it, Pat. And I'm excited about some of those Gators. I think Zuniga, by the way, is going to be a good pro. Uh, if he can stay healthy, no, I, I think he he is a very skilled guy. I think there's a lot of few players off that Gator team that wind up. I think I think Piran's going to play for a long time in this league. I think there's more good players on that Gator team than people think, Pat. I really do. Hey, say hello and good wishes to my friend Tony Baselli, who, of course, went through this coronavirus thing. And he and I used to do a lot of radio on your show together. Yep. But uh, we, we appreciate your time. Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the voice of Jacksonville Radio, will be right back with more of the Duly Noted podcast right after this break. Okay, appreciate Frank. Known each other a long, 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 long time. He and I worked together at the old Jacksonville paper. Oh, Nelly, Jacksonville, Florida Times Union, yeah. Who are these Jacksonville Bulls? I'll never forget Keith Jackson. That was the intro for Jacksonville versus uh, New Jersey when um, Herschel was playing for the Generals. And the place was packed. And they, they, they had a great crowd for that game. Anyway, I'm reliving the past. All right, here's some draft bets. And you can bet on anything. And I, I saw a story where um, Vegas has taken 10 times the bets they usually have. Because there's no games to bet on. And there are a lot of degenerate gamblers. And there's a lot of people who just like to gamble sometimes for fun. And there's no nothing to bet on. What can I bet on? Can I bet what how long these this commercial break is? I mean, so their the draft is their manna from heaven, and it is for a lot of us. I will be all over the draft. Most people will be into the draft. I I think I got these numbers right. the The first round of the draft, the highest it's ever been, I think, was last year. It was like eleven million people watched. The average for the whole draft was like six million. Because, obviously, nobody's watching Saturday. I mean, I, unless you're being drafted, I, you know, it certainly brings your numbers down. But I think this could be in the 15 to 16 million for that first round of the draft. And average make nine or something like that because people just want news. They want to watch something. They want to, to deal with it. So, um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of news. That they can they can touch on the Gronk, the um, the Brady, the the news about Percy Harvin who says he wants to come back now and play after sitting out three years. Eh, you know. Uh, by the way, uh, in an unrelated note, the the um, I think Kyle, uh, I'm sorry, the NFL is now not testing for uh, marijuana. So these are totally unrelated items that I'm bringing up here. Uh, so we'll see what happens with all that. But here's a couple of draft bets that you might be interested in. How many cats will be shown? 
in the first round. Hmm. Now, this could be interesting, okay? The over-under is .5. So if, if, if one cat shows up, you, uh, you win if you bet the over. If no cats show up, you win if you bet the other. And that's the thing. Football players aren't cat people. Football players are dog people. The over-under on dogs, 3.5. Go see some doggies in there. There's no question. But cats, it's a sign of weakness. But you never know. All you need is one cat. And in fact, here's what I don't get. I don't understand. Because I'm not very smart. If you really wanted to go and bet a lot of money on one cat being shown, and you had a connection to a player, okay? Let's just say you knew somebody who knew somebody, or you knew uh, somebody, let's say you knew C.J. Henderson's mom, and they're going to have a big, you know, family's going to be there. I'm curious how many people are going to be at some of these parties. I mean, 10 or ten and less, right? It's supposed to be, but we'll see. And you said, hey, can you just hold my cat during this? I'll give you $1,000 if you'll hold my cat when you get drafted, okay? Sure, I'll do that. But you bet ten grand. i am just saying, it makes sense to me. <laughs> this is, I have, I have got a... I've got a book in my head, and, and I'm, it's embarrassing that I haven't even started it. I've been working so hard on, on the newspaper. But I'm going to start it during a vacation at some point when we go on vacation. Or, if, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the future uh, of, of, of my job. And I'm, I'm hoping it goes well and things go continue to go well. And I will say this, all the discussion I've had with you guys, uh, the listeners, about possibly retiring in November... That's out the window as far as I'm concerned. I, I realize how much I love my job and how much I love working at the Gainesville Sun. And I hope I keep it, keep my job and keep going. And, and uh, if I do, I will, I will work past November. Uh, but at some point, I'm going to write this book. And, and it's going to be a book about somebody who's fixing gambling in, in some ways, different ways. And that's one I may use. <laughs> I like that plan. Uh, so 3.5 on dogs now. Would you bet the over or the under on that? I would bet the under. Because in all 32 of those houses, right? In all 32 of those houses, they're going to make the dog go outside during the draft. during the Or at least during the time when they get drafted. Yeah. You may hear a dog barking. That doesn't count. Okay? Here's another one. Defensive players, how many get picked in the first round? Four. This is on ESPN. ESPN, they have this kind of a fun bracket thing that you can fill out, and and you just got to get as, as many right as you want as you can possibly get. And I did it the other day. 55% of the people said four. That was the number one answer. It's almost like family feud. Survey says four. Offensive linemen, uh, 60% say zero to five. I can tell you. It, I, I would be stunned if it wasn't at least five, and I think I would bet the over on that. Uh, in fact, I think I did. Uh, I think the offensive linemen and wide receivers are going to be everybody's going to love. And this is where college football has changed so much. Um, it really has, and and then leading into the draft. Now, the one thing we know for sure about this draft is the SEC, again, is going to dominate. They may set the all-time record. There's a speculation, at least on some of these mock drafts, that half the players will come from the SEC, and it just feeds the animal. Because the, the more they get drafted, the more are going to sign. The, the better players are going to come to SEC schools when they see this. This is a big factor in recruiting. And it's a big factor for LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and to an extent Florida. Florida's still trying to get in on that where they get more and more players drafted. And they've had, uh, I think they've had the third most in the last, last uh, I think, ten, 10 years. Third most. Um, in the in the in the country, so they're they're right there with everybody else. 
but getting guys drafted and then players want to not only do they good players want to come and play at those schools good players want to play against those teams so even a even a place like Missouri or Kentucky you know Texas A&M well, they they've had decent drafts but uh, Arkansas Ole Miss I want to go play in that league because that's where the best players are. That's where the NFL guys are playing. So the the dominance is going to be a factor. But the other thing that's happening, and this will happen this year, it'll be the first time in nineteen since nineteen fifty two that the SEC will have two quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Now Joe Burrow and Tua could be the two the in the both in the top five. Uh, the last time that happened, nineteen fifty two, Bill Wade. The legendary Bill Wade from Vanderbilt and Bay Perilli from CATS, 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 who was a great quarterback. But it's amazing when you think of some of the great quarterbacks that that have come through that there haven't been that many. You know, you've never had two in the first round. You've had dominant quarterbacks who dominated their leagues, whether it was Danny Werfel, who was not a first-round pick, whether it's um, – Obviously, Tebow was a first-round pick, but there was nobody else that year. You know, there have been some great ones. I'm actually, I got a, I got a list of them right here. I'm gonna look that up real quick. Um, but not a lot of quarterbacks have been drafted in the first round in the SEC. I mean, Florida's had a ton of first-round picks, right? But quarterback-wise, not so fast. Steve Spurrier was second pick in the draft, I believe. So anyway. It is how the SEC is changing. The SEC changed once when Spurrier came to town. All of a sudden, the SEC became, you better score some points. You've got to keep up with Spurrier. And then it slipped right back into game managers, the Greg McElroys of the world, guys like that, Chris Leaks of the world. You know, it was it became game managers again, where they were good enough with, you know, Mock at, uh, at uh, LSU, uh, the guys who were high, highly picked out of the SEC tended to be flops. Of course, Peyton Manning was not. But as the like in the early two 2000s, they it, they weren't getting picked. Um, but I think you're going to see this trend just keep getting uh, increasing, where there's going to be more and more quarterbacks coming from the SEC. Because what happened several years ago is people start realizing it. Kind of started with Nick Saban. We need to score points to win games. We can't win the way we were used to winning, and that's when he brought Lane Kiffin in, and that's when he pulled Jalen Hurts for Tua, and that's when it influenced uh, Clemson. And Clemson said, "Whoop, we can't win with Kelly Bryant. We got to try this Trevor Lawrence because we're going to score more points." And that that's how college football shifted there. But anyway, um. One last thing, and then I'll get to three things, and then I'll be out of here. Um, college football, they changed some rules. they always tinkering with rules. Uh, probably the most interesting one is that you can wear a zero on your uniform, which to me is the dumbest thing in the world. I don't even know why they approved it, but uh, players want to wear a zero, and, and somebody says a number zero. I don't consider zero a number. Is, not, is zero a number? It's a it's a lack of numbers, right? I, anyway, to me, to wear a zero is you're, I don't know what you're saying about it. So I'm a big zero. Here's a by the way, here's a target on my back. If you want to go after it, to me, one and I I'm not a big fan of the dual numbers in college football. I think it's stupid. You know, I've I've had arguments with people, but well, we have a hundred players on our team. Yeah, but they're not all dressing. They're not all dressing out. Well, it helps with recruiting. Okay. Well, if that's the only way you can get a kid is by promising the same number one of your players already has, uh, that I don't know that he wants to be there bad enough. I, I don't agree with it. I think every you should have a one. You got one through 99. There's 99 opportunities to wear numbers. Okay? And if you want to be a wide receiver wearing number 93, that's fine. But we don't need... Three number fours. Now they have changed that rule that you can only have two players with the same number. Whoa! Thank goodness they did that. And every once in a while, we do see a penalty called. The other thing that happened was um, that you, when you get a targeting penalty, you can stay on the bench, which it did seem 
awfully humiliating for these guys to have to be taken to the locker room and watch the game in there. Let them stay on the bench. I got no problem with that, um, especially some of them where, where the targeting is questionable, you know? All right, you, you made the call. You took it up to the replay. They couldn't overturn it, so we're, uh, we're going to stick with it. Now you get escorted, especially on the road, and the fans are jeering at you and throwing stuff at you. It, it's a little extreme of a punishment. So they're going to allow them to stay on the bench. They also changed a rule that could be um, could affect you at some point when you're watching a game. If you if the clock runs out at the end of a half, and they look at it and they go, no, 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 that he stepped out of bounds. Unless there are three seconds left when he steps out of bounds, you can't get a playoff. Now that seems like the stupidest rule I've ever heard of. Uh, the reason is that when the official signals the ball back into play, I think in theory two seconds could, would would roll up before you could snap it. But I don't I don't think that's true either. I think this is a stupid rule. I don't get it. Uh, also, what uh, another thing that happened this week was Bill Hancock saying we have no plans to change the um, college football playoff. The college football playoff we all know is going to change at some point. To me, it seems like this is a perfect time. Dude, if we end up playing games that start in February and we play eight-game seasons with just conference games or whatever, let's have a playoff to to generate the revenue that is going to be lost. It's all about generating revenue right now, finding new ways to do it. You can even go to an 18 playoff this year and say, but we're going back to four next year. Now, Obviously, once you once you open up that Pandora's box, we're going to see. Well, you know, eight seemed a lot more fun than four, um, but I we're going to go to it eventually anyway. So I think college football. Now I get that they're not making plans for it because we could have a football season that starts in September and it's like normal, and we have the regular fourteen playoff and that's fine. I don't think we will, but it could happen. All right, it is time right now for three things. It's time for three things. Start off with number one, which is the Michael Jordan documentary that I did not think I would watch. I don't like the Bulls, didn't like the Bulls. Kind of always rooted for the team that would lose to them in the finals or other teams along the way. Um, I don't know. I just, I, for some reason, I was never a Bulls fan. I was fascinated by it, though. It was a great soap opera. Um, they did a great job with it. And, of course, Michael finally let it them release the, the movie. And a lot of people feel like he did it because there's been so much talk about who is really the greatest ever. And it's almost like by releasing this movie, you go, oh, yeah, it was Michael Jordan. There's no doubt about it. Um. And also, you know, I think the Golden State, when they had their run, I think he wanted to remind people how good they were. So whether that's the re- motivation by it, I believe it is. I I still believe in my heart, and I don't know anything. It's just some stuff I've read over the, the years. But I believe Michael Jordan went and played baseball because there were some issues with gambling. That's what I believe. Uh, that doesn't make it right, doesn't make it true. But a lot of people do believe that. Maybe that's why I was never a Bulls fan. But I will say this. The first two were unbelievable. They got great ratings for that. I think that was a six rating. And I can imagine it only going up um, as they get closer to the end of it. Uh, I think Sunday is the next two hours. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, fired up about it. And I don't like them. (laughs) That's the way it is. Number two on three things. Interesting, quiet story this week. Mark Whitehead, who was the supervisor of SEC officials in basketball, stepped down after three years. No reasons were given. I'm, I don't have any information. But all here is what I do know. SEC basketball officiating got a lot of heat this year. A lot of people felt like there were more fouls called in the league. That was documented. A lot of people felt like freedom of movement was was taken away 
that they were missing travel. There was more traveling calls than ever. Stepping, I mean, there were just a lot of things that I think everybody came away from Gaines frustrated. Is that possibly why he stepped down? Was he asked to step down? I don't have any answers, and I don't know the the man, so I don't want to besmirch his character, but it was interesting that that happened, especially for it to happen. And again, there aren't SEC officials. There are officials who do a lot of SEC games and then do other leagues as well. But all I know is what we saw in this conference was not good officiating this year. It was uh, not very good at all. In fact, it was embarrassing at times. Um, so anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. Number three, come on, ESPNU. We are searching for stuff to watch. And I will say, you've done a pretty good job. You've given me some old football games that I wanted to watch. I believe it was you the other day who had the Ron Zook's final game on, which I enjoyed the heck out of watching. The other day, you had the Senior Bowl practice. Senior Bowl practice. A pretend game nobody cares about. Practice. Practice. Come on. You guys can do better than that. In fact, I think all the networks can do better than what they're doing. You've got stacks and stacks of stuff to watch. And I know, and I agree. Look, I get it. I'm not going to watch Tennessee-Kentucky softball in the SEC network. I ain't that, But the Tennessee fans and Kentucky fans might be into that. I did watch a little Florida softball the other night. Let me help you. Let me program for you on ESPNU what we're going to watch minute by minute. Because I know you got a lot of stuff I want to see. Anyway. All right, that's going to do it for today's Duly Noted Podcast. Jeez, uh, it went a little long, didn't I? I don't know. I, I and, and I'm really tired. I think I may go take a nap today before I I have to uh, get up and cook hamburgers tonight. Um, it's been a. It's been. It, it has been. That's the weird thing for me. It has been very draining. Just the mental part of it. And you know, we were just talking earlier about the Patriot Way and how it can wear on you. This is wearing on me. But. It's great that I do have friends to talk, to talk to on the phone. And it's great that I have a, a tremendous wife who takes care of me and a beautiful young daughter who um, every once in a while will pop in. And uh, we have great conversations about things. I know she's waiting for the latest news from the University of Florida. And we'll see what happens. But I do uh, appreciate all you listeners, uh, all you that, that text me or email me about uh, the Duly Noted podcast. We'll keep it going. Uh, I don't know how long. At some point, we're going to have to say, hey, don't think there's anything else to say about nothing happening. But uh, we're going to keep it going. We got one this week. Got through this one. Next week, we'll have another one. I promise you. Until then, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep. I am way back. And I am out of here. (laughs) 